We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 133. Today we have some renewal and cancellation news, and then we'll be talking about Cougar Town, New Girl, Parks and Recreation, Awake, and Game of Thrones, followed by a TV on DVD pick. You can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 133. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Oh, me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, I'm... <laughs> My name is, uh, well, my mom calls me Maureen Ryan, but uh, most people call me Mo. I'm the television critic for the Chicago, <laughs> no, I'm not anymore, actually. I was I was leaping ahead. I'm the television critic for the Huffington Post. Uh, go to HuffingtonPost.com slash TV for all of our fabulous stuff in mine, too. And before that, I was going to say I was the television critic for the Chicago Tribune. Um, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm Stephanie Week from the TV Rewind Podcast at TVRewindPodcast.com. Okay, so this is uh, the first time I've had each of you on uh, on the podcast, and so we always ask uh, first-time guests uh, if they would uh, talk a little bit about what it is about TV, uh, why they got into being a TV critic or podcasting. So uh, we'll start with uh, you, Mo. Uh, what, how did you uh, get into uh, being a TV critic, and uh, what was it about TV? And then subsequently, why did you uh, start a podcast? Um, you know, I, I kind of backed into TV a little bit. I mean, I always watched it all my life and was kind of a fan, but I was really, really into it probably about a d- 10 years ago um, when my son was born. And I, you know, had a lot more time at home and, you know, sitting around and, and watching TV at night and stuff like that. And, you know, reality TV was kind of blowing up around then. Shows like Deadwood. And the Sopranos were kind of rewriting the whole rule book. Lost came out like the fall that I was a, a critic full time for the first time. You know, Lost premiered and uh, Veronica Mars premiered. So it just seemed like such an exciting thing. And I think the thing I love the most about it is that, you know, it's sort of the difference between a short story and a novel. You know, the difference between TV and film. You know, with a, with a play or with a film. I mean, I love both. Uh, but, you know, you have two or three hours maybe. Or if it's a sort of three-part series, maybe you have 10 or 11 hours to tell a story. And I just love the fact that you can really emotionally engage with the characters and intellectually engage with the themes and the ideas over this long period of time. And I think, you know, artistically, we've had so many shows – just take all of those things in new directions and exciting places. So to me, it just feels like the most fun job to possibly have. Um, the, our po- I have a podcast too called The Talking TV with Ryan and Ryan Podcast with another TV writer, Ryan McGee. And that actually came out of, we planned to do, we thought, oh, maybe we'll do a couple of podcasts for the final season of Lost. But we had so much fun with it, we decided to do it every week. And then we had so much fun with that that we decided to just keep going with talking about um, various things. And, you know, we've just, sometimes we just talk to each other. Other times we have other critics on, other TV writers. Sometimes we have showrunners on. We've had actors on. So it's just kind of blossomed into this thing that um, it's – of all the things that I do, I think it's the most purely fun thing because I'm not – obsessing about commas and structure and you know all the writing things that you obsess about and then you feel like the next day like oh i could have said this better Um, but with podcasting you just kind of let it go and and have fun with it so i'm excited about today okay and uh how about you stephanie how did you uh 
what is it about TV and how did you get into podcasting? Well, I enjoy TV for the same kind of reason that, that Mo does. I just love to get taken away in a story and to really invest in a character and just and to follow the storylines as they're going and to just escape in that world if it's in another in another place or just to be invested in what's happening in the storyline. It's just a lot of fun to to be to to follow different kinds of shows. And I kind of got into podcasting very not because I wanted to. I had always listened to podcasts for a long time. I listened to this podcast for many years before I started. But then I was just tweeting about different shows all the time and and talking about TV in, in various places. So I had a, a friend who was also very much enjoying TV as well and just asked me if I would consider to do a podcast with him. And then I thought that might be something that I might consider. And I went to a new media conference to get some ideas about how to go about it. And then I came back and I said yes. And we did the show together for a year. We started in September 2010 and he continued on with me as co-host for a year and then was not able to continue with his work schedule. So then I became a solo podcast and taking on an additional guest host every once in a while. But it's been a really good thing that I've been loving, enjoying, and I've been doing the show you uh, streaming on on the weekend and having different audience members coming to the chat room. So that's been fun too. So been having a lot of enjoyment with the show so far and we'll continue on and it'll be great. Okay. Sort of some, some of the same reasons why I, I love movies too, but uh, I, I love being able to like when you hit on something good in a TV show, it can go for a really long time and you get to continue with uh, these great characters or fun setting or whatever it is. And uh, that's always a lot of fun. And uh, just to uh, let you all know out there, we'll have links in the show notes to where you can find both Mo and Steph and their podcasts at uh, tvtimes3.com slash 133. And uh, now we'll move on to uh, the uh, news segment, which uh, I added a couple of things that popped up today to the list. But uh, overall, over the last uh, week... There's been a few things. Uh, Fox has renewed Fringe for a fifth and final season of 13 episodes. Uh, NBC has pulled Best Friends Forever from the schedule and uh, will replace it with more of Betty White's Off the Rockers. ABC Family has canceled Make It or Break It after uh, this uh, third season will be its last. And HBO today renewed Girls and Veep for a second season. And Reels Channel, if you happen to have it... uh, renewed their Steven Seagal show, True Justice, for a second season. Uh, Any of those that you're happy about, disappointed about, their renewals or cancellations? I'm I'm really excited about um, Girls, actually. I mean, it's a show that's just driven a huge amount of internet comments, you know, in the last week or two, and I've certainly done my share to add to the glut of articles about Girls, (laughs) the overdose. Um, But I'm, you know... I think what's really one of the most compelling things about that show to me is that, um, you know, whatever you think of the show, I, th- I would hope that people who were even a little intrigued by it stuck with it through the third episode. Because I think that really that was the one that kind of clicked with me the most and really kind of showed what the show could do. Um, and I think it's just that the main thing I'm excited about is that it's, this is a different kind of creator for HBO. I mean, typically HBO... Um, takes up these big name projects like it's either a book you know that's by a famous person or it's Aaron Sorkin or it's David Milch or it's David Chase and you know it's just 
they're they're known for these very um prestige driven projects and you know rightfully so they get acclaim for them i'm not i'm not knocking the concept i mean it's worked for them but here's someone of a different generation of you know she's young Lena dunham is you know 25 and you know i definitely think that you know the show is hurt a little bit by having such a huge outcry over it in terms of a positive you know positive uh wave of hype but and she you know it's not like it's the greatest show in the history of the world which people might have been you know annoyed by it given all the hype that had preceded it but to me it's just exciting to have a different voice a different perspective a different kind of comedic take um in one of the most high-profile networks out there. And, you know, just briefly, I'll say I'm excited about Fringe coming back. I mean, I've not been as incredibly engaged by the current season as other people I know have been, but I, I really have a lot of respect for what they've done overall, and I would like I like the idea that they get to close out the way they want to. And how about you, Steph? I have not seen any of those shows, actually, but I do definitely have a lot of friends who are invested in Fringe, and I do have a friend who has a Fringe podcast, so I'm very excited for those people that do watch the show. They get to be able to wrap up that show like Chuck did for their fifth season. So that'll be great for them. Yeah, that's the I think uh, the one on the list that uh, is fringe being able to get because you you just know that just the way that this season's going that however it ends you would not want whatever they come up with to be the end of the show. And uh, I you know I credit both Fox and you know Warner Brothers for getting this done. To ultimately, I think it starts to help in. Uh, you know, Fox with their cancel everything early type of thing. They've really been good about, you know, lately of giving things a chance. And once things have gone a ways, you know, like this has gone four seasons of not just going, well, we're, we're going to give the fans an ending that have stuck with it, I think is, uh, is good news for sort of like the future of TV. Like if that type of stuff continues to happen, uh, I think is a, is a good thing. Yeah, I don't know if like Fox will ever lose the stigma of being you canceled Firefly, and yeah. you know, I mean, they gave us two seasons of Dollhouse, three seasons of Arrested Development, five seasons of Fringe. I mean, I I totally get people's dismay because they do think that they tend to commission things and then don't put them on the air, like sometimes the more adventurous genre-based stuff, or they put them on the air, they don't support them, or they get canceled. I mean, I. But, you know, they take chances on this kind of stuff. And the fact that we've gotten multiple seasons of those kinds of weird shows to me is like, you know, I I will definitely take a fifth season of Fringe and be happy I got it and not, you know, sit there thinking about how I can hate on Fox some more, you know. Yeah, Yeah, you know, like two seasons of Sarah Connor, you know, there's been a lot of these shows. And they they typically give them at least one more season to take it, you know, see where they can go. So, I mean, that's amazing to me. And to me, these type of, you know, a lot of the shows in that sort of genre, you don't see them popping up on any of the other major networks very often. I mean, at least Fox does even give them a place to go for even a season if they cancel something early, you know, like – like a, a like a Firefly or something like that, you know. I it's, yeah. it's one of those things. You look at it. If Firefly, if Firefly premiered over the, like the last couple seasons, it would probably, as uh, I think it was uh, Todd Vanderwerf said uh, a couple weeks ago, that you know it would have ran for like seven seasons, you know, <laughs> just in the because of the time that we are. Uh, right. You know, it probably would have been able to go for quite some time. But I think that's enough of the news, and we will uh, jump into our primetime segment. Uh, covering a few shows uh, from the week of Monday, April 23rd through Sunday, April 29th. 
And the first show on our list is Cougar Town, Season 3, Episode 9, Money Becomes King. So who wants to jump in there first on this one? Um, I think that was, you know, one of my picks. And I just, you know, I'm. it's one of those things where I, I liked how they executed the idea, even though, you know, the whole idea of... Lori being this kind of crazed baker just came as news to me. <laughs> it seemed like it seemed like one of those things that, you know, I think originally their series order was for or their season order was for 22 and then it got cut back to I I can't remember as a smaller number was it like 12 or 14. Um so I think that you could you can kind of tell at times the season that they're having to kind of blow past stuff or cut down stuff. Um, but I I really like any, anything that Lori tends to do. She's just kind of a you know goofball, and I don't know. The, for me, that the whole ensemble is is working really well, and I like um, Travis and Lori together. I, you know, I think um, there's just a lot of different moving parts to the show, and they have a really good grasp of what scenes work, what the strengths of the actors are. So you know, I I'm just my big fear one of my big fears is you know speaking of renewals that the show won't come back because they just it's so heartbreaking when a show feel you know when you feel like they really mastered how to make that show and how to make it work and and then they kind of get it taken away from them it's kind of past the time to be able to get people to watch or be able to get them reinterested or to even you know retry something or whatever but you're just like but it's not what you think it is. <laughs> it is I know. I'm still having – I don't know about you guys. I'm still having that conversation with people and I'm kind of – I think I'm where you're at where it's like I've written you know, these articles. I've said it. I've done, you know, I mean I don't know how many more times I can say this to people. But in daily life, I'm still coming across people that just when I say those words, Cougar Town, they're like, really? That's, that's what you're going with? You know, it's, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I think like Cougar Town and The Good Wife are two great shows with terrible names that they invoke something mm-hmm. else other than what they are. And I had that conversation with somebody about The Good Wife, where they were like, "Isn't that a show about?" And I was like, "No, man, <laughs> that's not what it's about." <laughs> what do you think about Cougar Town stuff? I'm a huge fan of the show. I think the ensemble is amazing, and um, each of the characters, each of the actors, just does an excellent job and in working together and bouncing off each other. They have really great chemistry with everybody. Each person knows what they're doing and they're really on the ball. I really enjoy this, this, like you said, the storyline that Lori has, it's really nice to see her be able to shine. Busy Phillips is just great in that role. I really enjoy her a lot. And the show is really funny and you know, it's, it's sad that it probably won't be coming back, especially because now we have two of the stars having new shows but we'll see what happens. I'm a huge fan of the show, so I'll continue to watch as whatever happens in the end. And if it ends in the wedding, that's fine too. Yeah, I think it kind of works with the the, the show. Kind of works in that what you were saying about you know it all of a sudden having something come out of nowhere, in that that they haven't done a whole lot of overall backstory of these characters. You know, you see them when they're together and stuff, and and they're hanging out all the time, but. It sort of came out of nowhere, but it sort of also made sense that Lori had like this hobby at home that like to her thing was that she liked to bake and turning that into, you know, a, a, a different storyline for her uh, and her character, you know, giving her character some growth, I think really worked. And one of my favorite bits on the show recently has been it seems to be the go to lately on TV to have a character go into therapy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's everywhere. Uh, I really like this. Every time something happens, that she like brings a different friend. You know, <laughs> her therapy is 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 not like just for her or just for a re- one relationship or something like that. It she brings each friend in depending on who's you know gotten on her the wrong side or something like that. I think it's been a really fun right. bit. <laughs> they um they do a good job of making Jules's um cr- you know more controlling aspects kind of funny. You know they don't shy away from it. I think you know Courtney Cox plays that so well that it's really smart to just kind of build humor off of it. Um I think the one storyline in the episode that didn't work for me I mean, I know that Ellie's supposed to be mean and they're just playing a prank on Bobby, but to, the idea that he would send his friend out um, on a really hot day to do a hike with no water and then he wouldn't just immediately follow him. I mean, just I don't know. I mean, I, I just I mean, I get that, you know, he burned him back in the end and whatever, but that just I think once in a while they go too far with Jules being controlling and once in a while they, while they go too far with Ellie being mean. And I think that was one storyline that just didn't work that hugely for me. But I did like the, that episode had the end tag though, didn't it? With uh, her trying to scare her son. Yes. (laughs) And her son being, (laughs) mommy's makeup is is messed up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which was a great sort of end to, to that episode, uh, which I think is a good spot to end uh, Cougar Town and jump to the next show on our list which is New Girl, Season 1, Episode 22, uh, Tomatoes. How about we start uh, with you this time, Steph? I really enjoyed the episode overall. I'm really a a huge fan of the show. Sometimes I'm a little concerned about how adult it's getting with the storylines, but overall I'm really enjoying it a lot. The end scene with Nick and Jess when they're having their showdown at the end, that was the best part of the episode. I definitely enjoyed that a lot. But um, we'll see. I really enjoy the show a lot. I don't have... A whole lot of tent add to this one. Yeah, I thought that was really um, a good way to kind of remind us uh, the fact that Nick uh, and and Jess have this kind of chemistry of their own. So um, that was it. It was fun because I didn't really see that coming. You know, that she was not feeling the passion um, with her new boyfriend, but she kind of. But we, she backed into feeling it with, with Nick, even though, you know, it just felt really like a fun way for the show to acknowledge it and yet not really have to go there in a big way. I mean, I, I would guess that in a future season, they're probably going to um, have them get together at some point. But I think it's really smart not to do it in the first season because we really just need to feel like we know all the characters and are having fun with them. And then, you know, maybe in season two or three, it would be more natural to go there. It's been a little strange over the course of the season because they almost like sort of put that out there like really early and you were like, really? You're doing that already? And then it just like went away. Like, you know, like they went completely away. And I think maybe they sort of possibly touched on it like one other time. But I think the way they did it in this episode, it felt more natural and, and really worked with sort of her reaction as they were fighting that there was heat there, you know, there was passion there, but not the type of passion where you wanted to rip the other person's face off, which is what, (laughs) you know, her boyfriend and his ex-wife had. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it, that there was a little bit of recognition of, you know, maybe there, there is something like that here. And, uh, and then, you know, they always go a a little bit, uh, you know, 
too far where pretty soon, you know, where Nick's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> what, what are we doing? And right. I, you know, I, but I thought that overall, I really liked this episode. The, the Russian model, uh, <laughs> the scenes with her and mm-hmm. on the date where she gives this laundry list of things that she liked and you weren't sure that she was ever going to stop. Yes. It was just such an eclectic list of things. Uh, what- and she delivered it so well. I mean, I don't even know if that actress is really, you know, from overseas or what her deal was, but it was just so bizarre and hilarious. I don't <laughs> they clearly spent a lot of time on that. It was well curated. Yeah, she just, yeah, the delivery was perfect. And uh, and I, there was a lot of moments in the episode where, you know, it made me laugh or smile. And then I think the overall story of, of Jess sort of having this realization that there is sort of passion without wanting to kill the other person, but, you know, with somebody that you like and uh, sort of planting, a, you know, a seed further of maybe, you know, down the road, that could be, you know, that could be something. But I'd have to put it in, I don't know, it's probably one of my favorite episodes of the season, uh, just overall of, of that show. Yeah, and I think it's what's great is that there are really relatable emotional things going on with each character. Um, I I wonder what you guys think though about Schmidt because they're really he just popped as such a you know crazy goofball douchebag in the first half of the season especially, and I like the fact that they've um, deepened him a little bit with CC and that relationship. But I almost wonder is he becoming too nice and too like not douchey? I mean, he still has those moments, <laughs> and of course. You know, the actor playing him is still incredibly funny and Max Greenfield. But I'm just wondering, you know, do you guys think that they got to really watch like how non-douchey they make Schmidt? Yeah, I I think a little bit. But also, I think they in there was the scene where she finally says that she, you know, she likes him. And uh, he says something about, you know, his personality or whatever. And she was like, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that either, you know, like that I even like his personality. And so I think they've sort of set the relationship up that while he's weird and like that, she's okay with that or she kind of likes it. So I, it won't necessarily change him too much if they, you know, continue those two in a relationship. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think they've sort of set it up pretty well in that won't change, but will change a little bit, which I think is something that needs to happen with characters over the course of seasons, you know, a season and seasons is that they still feel somewhat the same, but they do show some growth so that they're not exactly the same. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not house. They're not the same, you know, jackass that they were in the beginning as they are in season eight, that they actually let the characters grow. And so I think, uh, you know, that kind of works. Yeah. I mean, I, so far I have no complaints about new girl. I think, um, there's just been a lot of comedies that I've been liking lately, and that's one of them. Um, you know, Suburgatory, New Girl. I just feel like, you know, we're kind of in a lucky era for half-hour shows. Um, yeah. you know, a few years ago, it was like, where, what's happening to comedy? Comedy's dead. But now I feel like I have so many on my DVR every night to get through. <laughs> and it's not – it's definitely not a chore to get through them, you know? Yeah, you end up making your own, like, giant four-hour comedy block. Yeah, and it's <laughs> – 
pretty strong typically you know it's not like there's that one show where you're like i keep waiting for this to get better you know the ones that i was waiting for to get better you know happy endings or suburgatory or even new girl i mean that started out pretty good they all i feel like have just gotten really consistently strong you know and that's in addition to the comedies i already like so i'm just feeling feeling good about it and uh speaking of one of those comedies that we all i think it was all on our list of shows to talk about uh parks and rec uh, Parks and Recreation, Season 4, Episode 20, The Debate. Uh, so we'll uh, start off with uh, Mo this time. I, you know, it's really one of those episodes that, you know, I th- I had high expectations for it because I think um, Parks and Rec does these really big, like they always do those meeting episodes where the, it's a public meeting and all these nutty people come up to the microphone and are just shouting stuff. And they tend to be really good at that stuff. But this is kind of a big stakes one with, you know, Leslie um, having to go up against Bobby Newport. And I think it was really smart of them to kind of make her um, – not do well at first you know i mean she's <laughs> she's someone who has such a great grasp of the issues that i think she gets really impatient with an airhead like bobby newport who paul rudd plays so perfectly um but it, you really see this dynamic of how people like it, so much of politics is about likability and electability and likability are often really closely related and you know it's just a, yet another political idea that sparks and rack makes you know points about but without being utterly cynical i mean there's a little bit of cynicism but there's a lot of just bemusement and amusement about how, you know the shenanigans of the press or the candidates or these fringe candidates who had like one position and one idea that they kept harping on about um so i don't know i thought it came together really well i thought i thought all the subplots were great um the debate itself i thought was really good and i thought you know for for someone who directed it and wrote it and was starring in it, you know, Amy Poehler just pulled off a complete hat trick, and I was just really excited to see it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Steph? Yeah, I love the episode as well. Um, really thought that all everything I talked about on this my on my show yesterday, but I really loved the episode quite a bit. We had the Chris and Anne were awesome on the spin team and trying to make everything positive. That was pretty great and. Um, Ann and Tom broke up, but because he was being a douche again, and Chris tries to get back in there, but it doesn't work. And um, then there's that donor party, and Ron comes through and saves the day by stealing cable. That was pretty funny as he was crawling up there. And I really also really thought that we had to see Ben and Leslie's relationship really come to heart. You could really see how much he cares about her and how much he's supporting her and trying to show and say, you know, you know what you're doing. You love this town. Just keep remembering that that is why you're here. And then that speech at the end that she did was really great. And I really enjoyed the episode quite a bit. And we haven't even talked about um, Andy uh, entertaining the donors (laughs) (laughs) with his interpretation of Roadhouse and apparently the movie Babe, which honestly, like I would watch if that was a show, I would just watch, you know, Chris Pratt doing that. I would watch an hour of that without any problems at all. It was just hysterical. It's very, you know, um, I was lucky enough to go visit the set of Parks and Rec a couple months ago, and they were filming this episode. I didn't see those scenes being filmed, although I wish I had. I think I would have ruined every take by laughing too hard. But, you know, Chris Pratt, what just came home to me when I was there, is he's such a good improviser. He's just, I mean, that whole cast is strong. I don't think there's a weak link at all. 
but you know he would just do something different every take and it just felt very organic and very andy like and very you know silly and goofy and funny as hell so i mean you know they're just lucky not only is the writing on that show very good and consistently strong but you know the actors are just all really um at the top of their games and you know when, when they need to make that like kind of a running gag like the Ron and Tammy you know once a year we get to see you know Chris Pratt just reenacting a movie just for his <laughs> his friend's amusement maybe i don't know yeah, where some yeah where something goes wrong and he's he's like i got this you know <laughs> I'll, yeah really i'll, inter- I can I'll entertain i'll entertain there's the group. a re- there's a room of like first graders who are just you know need entertaining and he just acts out you know maybe a cartoon movie or something I would pay money to see that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. You know, then he, you know, he then he jumps into uh, Rambo as his next as his next one, and then you see by the end tag that he's into like Rambo two or three or something. And <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in the stuff that he's going through, which was which is pretty funny. Uh, I really like uh, Paul Rudd. This guest starring stint, I think, yeah. has been like sort of like the perfect person to play this sort of. He's still a child, basically, you know, he's just kind of having fun. And it's just too funny. Like when it started out and he was like, wow, that hurts my feelings. And everybody, (laughs) (laughs) and, and Leslie's like, what, (laughs) what are we doing here? Yeah. And and then they had to, you know, they had to back off and it, it was kind of working a little bit, uh, but it all set up you know, all the way to the end to give her that big speech, you know, the, that great moment for her, uh, which, you know, really worked well. And even to the, to the point where, you know, Bobby Newport is like, that was great. You know, like even he's on, on board with what she said. Right. Uh, and then also, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but the, the one that came on as the, the political consultant, I really like. You know, yeah, Catherine Hahn. Yeah, I really like her uh, in that role. That the, the the guest stars they brought on for this sort of arc has has worked really well, and uh, the people that they have playing the press in, in this town. Yeah, they are hilarious. The the bit about the time, I was laughing <laughs> so hard when he was like, "Well, when I started talking, you had time, but by the time I finished." <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing like you know i mean here 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 we are like members of the media and like they're completely lampooning us but i mean there's there's a way that parks and rec lampoons things that kind of you know you see the humor in it even if it's someone it's sort of close to home um so like just yeah the media joan calamezzo i love anytime they have to go on her show and do some kind of you know spin or damage control and purred happily you know it's just they've got this whole universe developed there the media um the the candidates the different departments of the government so yeah i mean this is a a show that i feel like as it expands that world it just gets better and better yeah when when he says uh like i don't really know what you're talking about but based on the way you said it it sounds like Leslie Nope is a puppy killer, you know, basically. <laughs> just, I'm not going to say this, but <laughs> I'm going to say it. And I will not at all say that this is a contradiction. <laughs> and just, you know, just delivered perfectly clear that they really do well with, you know, the guest cast they've brought on. And then the sort of more side characters that they have are all 
are always great. And I think the show is really another one. You know, it's you know it's in season four now, but it really has found its its spot and has continued to grow uh, with the ensemble. Uh, you know, and you know, over time they've even you know added to the ensemble and and everybody's still been able to to mesh in. And I think that the central relationship with you know Leslie and Ben and the decision to not do a they get together they break up they get together you know type of stuff that putting them together I think they've shown that you can mm-hmm. put a couple together and still make a show like it's still good mm-hmm. yeah uh, absolutely that the you know the comedy still works there's still plenty of ways to be funny or to do what you need to do with a couple as opposed to you know them a couple not a couple going to be a couple again you know uh just i i really like that that's sort of become a central relationship and they're just going to leave it that way and continue and continue on mm-hmm. yeah and they've done a good job of expanding the other relationships so you feel like you know there's always something going on whether it's tom um being kind of an, an, a douchebag with with ann or um april and andy you know there's always some romantic you know something or other going on or you know so they they, they kind of mix it up and they, they they wisely give us more than just you know we had jim and pam on the office but i think over time that just you know that was really one of the most successful things they did but i think it's kind of run out of gas to some degree and they didn't have a lot of other things to go to um and, and sometimes they just end up like kind of copying the jim and pam stuff with new people so <laughs> You know, and just I think Parks and Rec has wisely kind of just broadened the field from the beginning and made it more of a you know many people have many different kinds of relationships. Yeah, I really right. liked April's. You know, Tom says, "But you don't care about anything," and she's like, uh, "I care about Andy and my dog and sleep." <laughs> right. <laughs> we all care about different things. So yes, and with her, it's a very short list, but at least it's something. April is such an interesting character, and she's had more and more to do as this campaign has gone by, and it's just been amazing. Yeah, she's been fun because, you know, you do always wonder, what does she care about? You know, but (laughs) it's really smart to pair someone who started out so cynical with someone so innocent and just enthusiastic like Andy because you can tell that, like, as cynical as she can be sometimes, she's choosing to be with this guy for the very reason that he takes her out of that space and you know she with Oren the goth guy she doesn't want to be that gloomy <laughs> she just you know she enjoys being around people like you know Leslie and Andy as much as they might you know she might roll her eyes at them at times mm-hmm. okay so that's enough of uh, parks and recreation and uh, we can jump ahead to uh, awake which i think was uh, Steph and i had it on uh, on our list this week have you been watching it all mo you know i watched the first five and i i like the show i think you know it's i'm I'm really anticipating this discussion because i want you guys to tell me you know what should i continue or i don't even know if it's got a good chance of coming back i mean i like what they're trying with it i'm not sure they always succeed but it seems like there's interesting pieces there you know so i'm interested in what you guys have to say about it well for me on this episode it showed what i really like about it while ultimately it's really a, at its sort of core, it's a police procedural. And, so, you know, people are like, oh, you know, it's a procedural, you know, blah, blah, blah. People don't like those. I'm interested in things that are done interestingly, you know, that, that are 
done differently. You know, something is, and I think awake with the dual reality and basically having like two cases that sort of shadow each other in some way each week is a very interesting way to do this type of show. And I think they do it so well uh, for the most part that like in this episode on both sides, as soon as things were introduced and you saw the crimes, I knew who did it. I I knew, you know, I knew who it was going to be. I knew what was happening with the girlfriend of the son and I, I knew all of that, but it still didn't take away from watching them put both of these sides together because what they ended up doing with that is by the end, there was a further twist that I should have seen coming, but ha- wasn't even thinking of really until right at the end uh, when, it, when it was coming. And that's why I continue to watch the show is because within doing cases – and the types of cases that you see on every cop show, there's no new cases. There's, you know, there's murders and kidnappings and, you know, hostage situations. That's what happens. So it's doing something within that, those stories that you've seen, you know, thousands of times and doing something interesting with them. And this one, with it being starting with a case or there's a little bit of a backstory of this big game and in one reality one team wins and in the other reality by just a, you know, slightly missed field goal, you know, a different team wins and it causes different things to happen in both sides. And it helps him to realize that just little things, uh, which helps him come to the twist at the end. Uh, just, you know, just a little thing here could be slightly different in, in the other one. And I just enjoy that each week that of, of watching them go through, uh, these stories that way. Mm-hmm. How about you, Steph? Yeah, I definitely agree. It has a lot of the elements of a procedural, but it's it it just dwells into these two realities. And even though it's very complicated, and you really have to, it's a really you have to think about it really hard to figure out what's happening and and why this is happening and why it's different in this reality. And it's it's so complicated, but at the heart of it is the fact that they have this great father son or or um, husband-wife relationship, and you get to see that and how that is starting to affect e- and how each reality is being affected by the other one. It's it's very complicated, but it's it's very good at the same time. And, you know, it, the fact that it's probably not going to be back for another season, I think is sad because it's it's a really good show and I haven't been enjoying it. So I'm it's a good show for me, at least. <laughs> It's one of those shows that makes me wonder what is it that people, you know, what is it that people want? Like, it didn't even get a big initial sampling to begin with, and then it's dropped off from there. And I think some of the drop-off is because people, real, you know, start these days are like, oh, it didn't do very well. It's not going to be around. I'm not wasting my time, right. which I think is sad in that it only helps to actually get the show canceled and, you know, making it a self-fulfilling prophecy that way and then at the nbnc i it got canceled i'm glad i didn't waste my time but the (laughs) mindset that it is a waste of time i think is what i really don't like in that it's not even if you don't get some major answer to this at the end of 13 episodes or it goes i think watching this season i think it's great i enjoy each episode i don't feel like i'm wasting my time even though i'm pretty sure you know i now you know as it goes along that 
you know the chances of it getting another season get you know less and less as a uh, as the season sort of wears on but uh, you know somebody just asked me the other day you know they were talking you know they said i have you know all the episodes of Wake on my DVR, should I even watch? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, watch it. Uh, you know, knowing probably that you're not going to get another season, but it's definitely worth watching. The first episode is definitely worth watching if you even don't watch anything else, because I think that first episode works so well on just sort of like a short film basis. Mm-hmm. It, it almost is like its own little story. And even the way it ends, it could just end there and be fine. But yeah, I don't think any show that's good i don't think it's a waste of time to watch it even if it's not going to get canceled like you know (laughs) even if it's going to get canceled yeah and i'm i feel bad for nbc actually because i feel like they're really trying you know we spent so many years beating up on nbc and they spent many years putting on like really terrible shows and i'm sure they still will but you know um I really think that, you know, um, Prime Suspect, I mean, talk about a show that I was actually primed to dislike, you know, because I really loved the original and, you know, Helen Mirren is an icon. And um, I, you know, the first episode, you know, it sort of, it, did, it didn't instantly draw me in. It wasn't one of those things, but, um, you know, whack you know Prime Suspect. with the wrong things in that first episode. Yeah, they kind of went too broad with certain points. But overall, it really developed into a nice drama with a really good camaraderie, a really good atmosphere. And then, you know, that show died and, you know, didn't get the support from viewers. And I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I'm like, you know, people are always like, oh, I just wish there was something smart and interesting to watch on TV. And I'm like, you know, there is sometimes you might want to yeah. check those shows out <laughs> before they go away. Just a uh, thought. But um yeah, I mean, NBC is definitely in there trying, and I, I really respect them for trying this. It was a very difficult concept, and, you know, it's, it's certainly something that requires more from the viewers, as you guys said. But um, better they're trying than not, you know, and just, you know, pulling out, you know, the, the, the voice like every month a new season begins, you know, or, you know, copying Biggest Loser endlessly or something like that. Yeah, because you already know that they're, you know – since it seems like they have plans to do the voice, you know, again in the fall, that they're just yeah, I shouldn't have said that, that should I? <laughs> you know, that they're just going to run that until it 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 dies, like a quick death. Just any anything that they can do to get somebody to watch. Uh, right now, they're they're pretty much doing. But yeah, I think they've had some. Uh, you know, I think they have they they make some mistakes with stuff. Uh, but I think I think they did a pretty good job of with Awake. You know, of of promoting it and you know. And it got good, you know, reviews and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, on Thursday night, it was like, you know, people were already watching The Mentalist and and stuff. And even though it debuted in a period of time where the stuff on the other channels were repeats, it still didn't seem to matter to get people to sample that new show for whatever reason. And uh, I'm not sure what it is that that, uh, NBC can do, but but yeah, they had – of. Of the shows that came out this year, I think they they had you know two or three, four of like the top you know new shows you know the concepts at least at least in the beginning you know Smash has kind of fallen away uh, they they started out really well and and sort of lost it uh, along the way from what I hear from other people but Awake has stayed strong from the beginning and it just hasn't caught on with the with viewers. Uh, it it reminded me of I was just looking at uh, Netflix 
had uh, Life Unexpected, which was a show I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, I rewatching it for another uh, project, and then uh, I saw in the comments section underneath it on Netflix there was a comment that said some that their comment was I I love this show you know once I I found it here on Netflix and I love this show and I wish there was more than than two seasons how come and it was sort of that how come shows that I like always get canceled or and you're like because you didn't watch it until two years later on Netflix. Right. That's this is perhaps a problem that you were completely unaware of it. <laughs> the, you know, the, the problem was is that you had never heard of it until you happened along it on Netflix, while, you know, where it said, you know, like, you like this, you might also like this or something. Right. You know, that, that's the problem is, is there's still people to this day that I run into and you tell them about it. You mentioned a show and they're like, what is that on? You're like the CW and they're like, what's that? and you're like really yeah Uh, this is the this is the problem there's there's actually a couple good shows on that network (laughs) yep there's a lot of shows that don't get appreciated until way after they're canceled and it's too bad and right now and and for the foreseeable future it's not built into the model of how successful the show will be down the road on dvd or other platforms right to continue making a show, it's how successful it is now on on the air. Uh, so I think there's potential for more of those shows that where you get these small seasons or maybe two because they keep trying or something, but that's all you get. Right. You have to be satisfied with less, I guess. <laughs> maybe. Okay, so that's uh, Awake. Uh, the next show on the list is Game of Thrones, Season 2, Episode 5, The Ghost of Heron Hall, which, where the fourth episode ended with the biggest, like, WTF moment I think the show has ever had. <laughs> You're just yeah. Like, what? And Why then, is the smoke monster on this show? And then you weren't really, like, then this episode starts and how it's going, and you're not really. You know, while they even sort of showed a little bit of that in the preview right before the episode, you know, on the previously, you, you're still like, okay, what's happening with that? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, it appears and and kills uh, <laughs> kills the brother of, and you're like, then you start putting the it together. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. They're the brothers. They're fighting. He's he sent this, this basically a smoke monster to kill his brother. Yeah. And now he's. He's increased his armies, which is interesting because now from how they talk about it, he seems to be controlling a much larger army and and ships and stuff like that than any of the other sides have at this point. Uh, so that will be interesting going forward. But I had also thought that it was interesting for, uh, you know, Lady Stark was there and what she saw and then their escape of, of getting away. And that scene later on between Lady Stark and Brienne, I think, was brilliant. Like, just a great, yeah. just a great scene between the two that you, it almost, like, made you well up a little bit. You know, it like made – the first time I watched the episode, I got a little bit teary. I don't know if I was just having, like, kind of an emotional day, but I – that scene really blew me away. I just – and to me, I think it's one of my favorites in the whole series, and I wrote a lot about that, and it's because, you know – it's like things can get so dark for these people and yet they can still find comfort in each other, find friendship in each other and an identity even, you know, Brienne is lost without this identity as a knight, you know, as a protector of someone and, 
you know, I just I just love the whole idea that this show examines um, characters that don't typically have power. You know, a woman knight or an imp or a child or you know people who aren't normally or like the, nor, other stories kind of put them on the edges or on the margins. You know, Varys is one of my favorite characters, and of course there are of the lords and ladies and the the, the upper classes. But there's all this intrigue and interesting character moments among people of all different walks of life and you know the, the the danger is that there's um sometimes so much going on that it's hard to keep track of it all and you're so busy trying to keep track of it all that you can't really relax into the story as much um but they really have done such a great job with casting and writing especially this season i think that you know you really get those emotional rewards and payoffs along the way yeah definitely i mean i could i could just follow Tyrion around like if if the show was like game of Tyrion, exactly just watching him go around and manipulate just yelling at uh lancel (laughs) just like i don't know why that's so funny to me but like i would watch that i would watch him talking to Varys. you know he's just yeah that's so much fun yeah i think that those are always really great and i think uh with the uh, Arya and her now being, you know, in in the place that she is, uh, and the guy offering to, you know, take out three people, and then she mentions a name, and then that happens, and you know what she may do with that, and how smart she is in that the way that she presented herself, you know, ultimately from the north, but from someplace else than where she, you know, still keeping her actual identity, and the, I think. That whole storyline is is working really well. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm still interested to see more about exactly what's happening on the other side of the wall. Like I I've sort of gotten a little bit lost in that because in the first season it seemed like there wasn't really anything over on the other side of the wall, but then apparently there are actually you know some people that actually do live over there, like the guy and all his daughters. Right. And stuff, and so I'm interested to find out more about actually who all and what all is over there. Yeah, I actually wrote that in my review that um, I've even read the books, although it was a few years ago, and I was having trouble following. Like, now wait, it's a half, it's a wildling guy, but then there's another guy and used to be in the Night's Watch, and which guy is coming over to join them? And I'm like, it was like there's a lot of like people coming and going, even though it appears like they're alone on the top of a glacier. So. <laughs> I don't know. It, it all it all came clear to me in the end, but I think yeah, there's a lot to explain there. And I mean, but I just loved like the look of that. It was just amazing. Um, just the, the the epic sweep of it. I think definitely since season one, they've just done an incredible job of um, just making me love the aesthetics of the show more. Um, there were just things in this first season that I feel like with fantasy, if you check out mentally and you think something looks dumb or looks unreal, <laughs> you kind of check out of the whole thing. And with this show, it's really important to get that stuff right. And I think this season they've done a, a really good job of giving you those locations and interiors and exteriors that really make make the, make it work for the story. Yeah, definitely. That that can happen. You know, when uh, anything that pulls you out of like you're in the middle of it. And then you, your eye picks up something that you're just like, that's fake. And then yes. you're thinking about that being fake instead of thinking about what's going on in the show. And so, yeah, those types of things, in, you know, especially in, uh, in, in this, this genre where there's going to be a lot of big set pieces and, you know, sort of special effects adding in backgrounds or large groups of people or whatever. I think they've, they, 
this season has definitely been uh, really good on that, where there hasn't been, I can't really think of, of too much. Although, one little thing, uh, talking about that, something that you just noticed that doesn't seem right, where there was a scene early on where right before, um, I think it was right before the, the one guy was killed, you see people talking and you can see their breath and it's like cold and windy and stuff like that. And then you see all these guys walking through the snow and not a one of them, you can't, not a, you don't see their breath at all. And I was like, okay, how are they filming this? <laughs> this, this is obviously, while it looks really great, it's, it's one of those things I was like, wait, why am I, this is not what I should be paying attention to. This is the whole thing. <laughs> you know, there was, a, there was a scene in the first season where it was like, oh, the king is having a jousting tournament and it's going to be amazing. All the ladies and lords will be there and it'll be incredible. And it looked like, you know, a ye old Renaissance fair and not a particularly good one. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was like, what is happening right now? Like, this is HBO. This is this should look amazing. And so, you know, it was a learning curve for the show, but definitely for me anyway, they feel like they've scaled that wall, if you will, <laughs> you know, of just getting the aesthetics right. Yeah, I, I think they've done done a really good job. And just every episode, you're like I've talked about this before in a previous podcast of how each episode, there are certain things that do happen, you know, like an arc inside of an episode. But for the most part, an episode ends in a way that you want to watch the next episode right there. Not necessarily because everything that you saw was just fantastic and, you know, you want to continue watching the show. But mm-hmm. it ends like you're in the middle of a chapter, not at the end of a chapter. Like, it doesn't seem that, like, an episode is like a chapter of the book. An episode is like a part of a chapter. It's yeah. It's really... And and so like comes to the end of an episode and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do something, you know, like um, something like the killing, which tells you that this is the end of the episode because it goes back through everybody that was in it and shows them in a contemplative state or something uh, at the end of the episode. You know, to tell you, okay, we've wrapped right. up this week's story. Or like, you know, certain shows like Rescue Me, they would always do like the, the, the music, like a, a a song on the soundtrack with Tommy Gavin doing something heroic. Like there was always like the go-to yeah. final moment. Like where, yeah, with with. Although I think it's a little less abrupt this season. I mean, I think it's definitely, um, it's it's definitely going to have those moments where it just feels a little bit of you know, random how it shifts around. But yeah, that last season I felt like it just would end in these weird abrupt places. This season I feel like they found better scenes at least to end on you know like maybe a little smoother but it definitely does though or it these shows are definitely made to watch like the whole season like (laughs) in a setting or over a weekend type of thing yeah they really sort of flow through and it it shows you how much that you get into it where you're watching the show and you're not realizing the time and so it goes and you think it's just going to transition to another scene and then the end credits come up and you're like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're like, wait, it's over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, like certain HBO shows I think have, you know, gotten into this mode where like, it almost is better to just wait for the DVD and just sit down and watch the whole thing. Um, and I, but I think there's really an art to having an hour. And I think for me, what they've been able to do a little bit more thematically is just unify these, you know, it's like maybe different characters will be kind of dealing with issues of loyalty or, or maybe just there's a commonality to the themes that are in every episode that makes it a little bit less jarring for me now or I don't know maybe I'm just more used to the world and the way they do things I'm not sure 
Okay, well, I think that'll that wraps up our primetime segment. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts out there on the shows that we discussed this week. Uh, you can leave a comment or voicemail at tvtimes3.com slash 133, or you can send an email to feedback at tvtimes3.com. And the last thing on our uh, list is uh, TV on DVD picks for releases coming out on Tuesday, May 8th. Of the 10 or so DVDs that are coming out, uh, Chuck Season 5 is... Uh, the fifth and final season of Chuck is coming out. Both uh, Steph and I uh, picked that as as our sort of recommendation of of something to get, especially if you're a Chuck fan. You know, got to have the final season, even if you didn't love the final episode. <laughs> is there plans? Do you guys know? Are there plans to put out a um, complete series DVD set with Chuck? Or yeah, I don't know. It seems like the type of show with the sort of fan base. If, yeah, because I don't have any of it on DVD, and I would certainly look into that. Yeah, with uh, you know, like other features or extra blooper reels or all kinds of stuff that weren't included in any of the other things, or you know, even uh, extra cast commentary on episodes or something like that. That uh, right. it seems like it would do well mm-hmm. because of the fan base. Yeah, I would have thought so. Like maybe with some like spy badge or you know a nerd herd tie or something that you could get like i think there's a way to do it creatively that because i i mean i just didn't i didn't i don't think i've bought any of the seasons on dvd and i would actually this is a show that i definitely can see myself watching more in future with my son or just firing up whenever i'm feeling blue or something you know yeah. um pick a little pick me up yeah, but they also kind of seem to you know they they always do this too though you know they'll sell as many of the individuals as they can, and then they'll come out with the giant the special yeah. super edition, you know. Right before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll, that'll, yeah, that'll hit store shelves, you know, like, yeah, the, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving or something. Exactly. Okay, well, uh, thanks uh, for both of you uh, coming on the, the podcast and, and joining me this week. My pleasure. It was fun. Thanks for having me. And uh, once again... Uh, I'll have uh, links uh, to them and their podcast in uh, the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 133. Uh, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And next week, Amory will be back with me, and our guest will be Miles McNutt from culturallearnings.com. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Always a good time uh, talking with Miles. I like when he's on. And that will do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.